afternoon, Central City. Oh, yeah. I needed about 100 limes if you could sell them to me. I'm up in Mason City. Um, you're in Mason City and you want limes from me? You realize you're calling the liquor store in Des Moines. What can you do for me today, sir? This is Brian from Mason City. Brian, go to the grocery store. back this is rock hard caucus episode 47 and uh, we just behind the scenes we just finished recording our rock hard christmas episode so we are on a roll here we've got the main four of the the founding members of the caucus it's me it's evan it's natalie it's chuck we're all here all your favorites that's right you don't need friends you just need us who are your friends who live in your phone yeah, if you're listening to this uh you're basically having a conversation with us uh you know. mm-hmm. yeah. that's how podcasts work. let's all buy yeah that's every podcast yeah your personal you're actually friends. Yeah. friends with the people on them yeah you should develop an intense parasocial relationship with us Yes, and then give money to the Patreon. Yes. (laughs) Like you do with your real friends. Exactly. (laughs) It's no different from buying your friend a drink, uh, giving us five bucks a month. Yeah. You pay your friends a subscription fee. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All relationships are transactional anyways, right? Yeah. Uh, Fortunately for us, though, I think uh, our show is still, you know, a, a fairly small thing, and I actually am pretty much friends with a good chunk of the people who listen to it because yeah. there are so few of you that it's it's realistic to actually have yes. personal interactions with you yeah you can reply to us on the internet and we'll reply right back to you we're regular people just like you yes <laughs> so uh, this is kind of a monumental occasion today the namesake of our show the iowa caucus uh we thought that maybe it had faded in relevance and was no longer a subject of discussion but uh recently it came back the iowa caucus will never die (laughs) (laughs) it's like groundhog day just reliving it over and over (laughs) again i mean i have had multiple instances where i relived the caucus day because that was like basically the peak of the year (laughs) for Mm -hmm. probably all of us yeah (laughs) And I will say, too, it really, I probably said this last week, too, but it feels like an entire lifetime ago. Yeah. I will forever be trapped in February 2020. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the reason that it's become relevant again is because the Iowa Democratic Party recently released their internal review report for the 2020 Iowa caucuses. We love a good internal review. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hell Mm -hmm. yeah. So this is, uh, you know, the findings of what happened with the 2020 caucuses, what went right, (laughs) very little, and what went wrong, most of it. What went right was the interactions that we had and the people we had them with. Yeah, that's true. Actually, a lot of it did go right. It's just that, you know, it's a mess, so... yeah. It's easy to focus on. I mean, it's inherently wrong, wrong, but... Right, yes, It was about the friends we made along the way. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Mm-hmm. I did make a new friend at the caucus. I think I covered yeah. that. On, um, yeah. Yeah, it turned to be my neighbor, my, my precinct captain. Mm-hmm. So this is like a 30-page document. I took notes just oh. like taking out my favorite bits of it. I thought I was going to hate reading it. I thought it would just be boring and you know just kind of an obligation, but it, there's some fun stuff in here. So I think we're going to have uh, 
a little bit of fun after I get past the like preliminary details. Hell yeah. So just so we know where this is coming from, uh, the internal review consisted of the collection and review of thousands of documents and dozens of interviews. Uh, we started, we being the like law firm they hired to do this, they started with review of initial documents and interviews of six IDP staff. Kevin Geiken, uh, he was the executive director. Melissa Watson was the CFO. Blair Lawton was the party affairs director. Eva Mitchell was the data director. Seth Cohen was the caucus to convention director. And, drum roll, Troy. <laughs> you got it. Troy Price, who was then the chair of the party. Uh, then they collected a bunch of documents consisting of DNC regulations and reports, IDP plans and reports, internal IDP communications, including emails, Slack messages, and text messages. Uh, the IDP's G Suite platform. <laughs> G Suite? I, yeah, is that like Google? That's Google, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sounds like a GTA San Andreas character. <laughs> G Suite. G Suite. Documents regarding the reporting app developed by Shadow Incorporated. So on the nose. Still not over it. This is sort of like a greatest hits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, training documents, documents, and data regarding the boiler room on caucus night. After reviewing these documents, we conducted interviews with numerous individuals, including representatives from the Biden, Sanders, and Buttigieg campaigns, uh, current and former consultants, current and former IDP staffers, county and precinct chairs from urban and rural counties, and members of the IDP state central committee. <laughs> so I'm just reading all this just so you know, like this yeah. is pretty thorough. They talked to a lot of people. Yeah. I want to say, uh, Troy Price just recently went on a vacation to Puerto Rico while, like, his, <laughs> his, uh, Twitter feed is, like, all, you know, about how badly the GOP is mishandling yeah. the coronavirus <laughs> shit. Uh, I also love that it's, like, literally, they're literally in a boiler room, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, like, there's, like, the idea, like, the boiler room sales, uh, yes. you know, room where it's, like, super high pressure, right. like, shady, <laughs> shitty fly-by-night like call centers mm-hmm. it's it's very fitting i don't know that it was a literal boiler room or if they were just calling it that i remember reading something about it where they said it was literally like a windowless room that was like yeah. in a basement <laughs> next to like a bunch of like industrial closets and shit mm-hmm. cool they talk about it in the report it's like they rented some space in the uh event center and the boiler room was just like a shitload of phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they interviewed all those people, read a bunch of documents, all that shit. And then the last sentence of this part is, we attempted to interview staff from the DNC, but the DNC refused to participate. <laughs> <laughs> They've washed their hands of this of this mess. <laughs> Good. And honestly, Finally. not a bad decision on their part. Yes, no more caucus. <laughs> uh, we worked with the IDP to start initial reach out to the DNC starting in June. Eventually, that culminated in us reaching out directly to the DNC near the end of July. We then spoke with DNC counsel, who eventually confirmed on September 2nd that the DNC was not going to allow us to speak with their staffers, even with DNC counsel present. Hmm. So total and complete refusal to uh, participate in this internal review. Lovely. Speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so a lot of this document is them reiterating what the caucus is and how it works. Obviously, we don't need to get into that here, but... um, Oh, yeah. We're experts on this shit. It is funny that that a a good chunk of the document is just like, 
okay, here's what all this <laughs> bullshit is. <laughs> because you need that context to know like how they fucked up everything. Yeah. Uh, but I will skip ahead to the section about the new requirements from the DNC. So, you know, as a result of the 2016 primary, there were some reforms with the DNC and they changed like reporting requirements and procedural stuff for all of the state primaries, which affected how the Iowa caucus was going to work. Uh, One of the four areas that were of concern was making the caucus process less burdensome and more inclusive, transparent, and accessible to participants. In its report, the commission expressed a preference for primaries over caucuses. Yes. The DNC and the party at all levels shall use all means, including encouraging legislation and changing party rules to expand the use of primaries wherever possible. It seems we've failed at that so far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I, want to say there's a conspiracy, not a conspiracy, but uh, they don't like caucuses because they are like tend to favor the most uh, enthusiastic Mm -hmm. uh, supporters of candidates. And, yeah, it, uh, it requires a lot of commitment of the people yeah, participating. Which is, in some ways, anti-democratic, because, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I don't know, I guess, I mean, the caucus is such a fucking mess anyway. It is. I would argue that, that it's, like, inherently inaccessible to do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It's just fucking so much easier to have, like, a 48-hour window or something for people to go and, like, cast a vote somewhere and then go about their fucking day. Yeah. Uh, the new requirements set forth by the DNC were uh, the availability of absentee voting... The state party's demonstration of financial and technical ability to run a caucus. (laughs) (laughs) The public reporting of vote counts based on the first expression of preference. And lastly, a requirement that votes be cast in writing for purposes of any recount or re-canvas. And then they also recommended that the DNC explore technology resources to support the states in the tracking and reporting of these results. So we can see here uh, the foreshadowing initial, the initial seed, yes, foreshadowing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, good one. <laughs> womp womp. Okay, and then uh, quick review on April sixth, twenty nineteen, the IDP submitted its delegate selection plan to the DNC for caucuses to be held on February third, twenty twenty. The IDP delegate selection plan proposed that the IDP would fulfill the requirements of reporting the first expression and preserving the final expression by recording those preferences on physical presidential preference cards. To fulfill the non-present participation requirement, the IDP proposed holding six sessions of virtual caucuses. Remember when they were proposing that? And that sounded like a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder who shut that down. (laughs) (laughs) The virtual caucuses would be moderated live by the IDP and sessions would be held throughout the five dates leading up to February 3rd for those who could not be available to participate in the February 3rd caucuses. And then they'd also hold a virtual session on the same day as the caucuses for those who weren't able to make it to the physical caucus site that evening. The IDP would allow virtual caucus participants to connect via teleconference online or other secure method Mm. (laughs) yeah and rank up to five candidates and then the idp would do the math and allocate delegates from the virtual caucuses blah 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 okay at a dnc meeting on june 28th 2019 the dnc expressed concerns regarding the virtual caucuses and provided only conditional approval of the delegate selection plan 
Uh, the DNC did not believe or was not confident that the IDP could conduct virtual caucuses in a secure manner. So it's it's security that they're worried about. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, that's what the always the justification for why we can't go to a more convenient form of mm-hmm. voting, you know. That's like all of the excuses behind every form of voter suppression. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then on July 22nd, the IDP submitted a revised delegate selection plan. And uh, it says this did not reflect any significant changes and the proposal for virtual caucuses remained generally the same. Eventually, at the DNC's meeting held August 22nd through the 24th, the DNC rejected the proposal for virtual caucuses. So this took place over the course of like three months. It took them to reject all that. The middle of democracy grinds slowly. Those very well could have been just as big of a mess as the uh, caucus actually turned out to be. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, hard to say whether that's a good or bad decision. On September 19th, the IDP submitted a second revised plan uh, replacing the virtual caucuses with the satellite caucuses. Satellite caucuses would be available by application at sites where Democrats who could participate in a satellite caucus but might not otherwise be able to participate at their precinct caucus may convene. Satellite caucuses would be held on the same day and at the same time as the precinct caucuses unless the proposed satellite caucus site could demonstrate the need to convene at a different time on the date of the precinct caucuses. Did anyone follow that? I lost track. (laughs) I feel like there's a very simple solution to all these issues that they're trying to iron out, and that's uh, simply don't do a caucus anymore. Right. Do something else. Please, for love of God, I don't want to do this again. (laughs) Yeah. Ever. Obviously, the reason they don't, we know this, is because Iowa desperately wants to be the first in the nominating process. And if they switch to a primary, that means that New Hampshire will jump ahead of Iowa. Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) Please, anything but that. I personally would be devastated. (laughs) Yes. And obviously, the Iowa Democratic Party has just shown that they deserve... To be the first <laughs> in the nation so many times. Right. Yes. Oh my God. Imagine if it didn't even matter what we voted for. Like, imagine if we were just a Super Tuesday or later state. Yeah. Like, That's it really mattered so much this year. <laughs> it obviously mattered this time. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big deal. It'd be fun to be one of those states where, as it was coming down to the finish line, everyone just fucking dropped out and. Mm-hmm. all rally behind one person like imagine spending fucking months and months getting ready for this and then like you wake up to find out oh yeah uh we need to go vote for uh joe biden now <laughs> sorry i guess yeah there's some perks thanks to for being, your help everyone being first you know i do yeah. love the you know just the lavish attention i love the attention i love being uh, in Natalie the news loves attention. i love attention <laughs> I love being quoted and things. Yeah. That's true. I did. You got to introduce Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love all that. Yeah. I got to be in the background on ABC World News. Yeah. Yeah. We met Chapo Trap House. I was quoted in the so Chicago bad. Tribune. Yeah, I, yeah, we should keep it just for our yeah. 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 <laughs> Changed my mind. It's spurred this whole podcast. Uh, oh yeah, that's true too. It's the basis of the podcast. <laughs> uh, I mean, they can get rid of it now. Actually, <laughs> it served its purpose for us. Exactly. Yeah, correct. <laughs> okay. Well, the DNC approved this plan on September twentieth, twenty nineteen. 
So timeline, that gives them roughly like four months. Their plan was approved four months ahead of the date of the caucuses, which seems to me like maybe not enough time. But Pretty close. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Considering I was like campaigning for Bernie like a few months before that. Mm-hmm. And that's just one yes. campaign. <laughs> right. Okay. So then they get into the development of the Shadow app, which I think, you know, we're going to enjoy this because this... This was a very, you know, as the name would suggest, it was pretty much in the dark. Like, no one knew, like, where this came from or, like, what was going on. Uh, The IDP had used a similar reporting app for the 2016 caucuses, which was developed by Microsoft. For the 2020 caucuses, however, Microsoft declined to take on the development role again. So I think that's important background information, is that uh, an app already existed. For some reason, we couldn't just, like, adapt that to the next one. As the IDP searched for the right vendor for the task, the Nevada State Democratic Party, with whom the IDP had a positive and cooperative relationship, recommended a young political tech company called Shadow Incorporated. I will never get over that name. (laughs) (laughs) It literally sounds like something from a a video game where... It was just, it's not even like the, the main antagonist. It's just like something that they needed to come with a name, yeah. some filler. Company to... for bio on Bioshock. Yeah. yeah. And I, I wonder why they chose this small, shadowy, unknown right. <laughs> software development group. We can only speculate. Like, why did the Nevada State Party <laughs> uh, recommend <laughs> this small company that had just begun? Where did this come from? They don't really get into that in the they report. Don't. I guess that's that's who for another. Say, who can say really? <laughs> but you know, after the IDP decided to work with them on June twenty fourth, twenty nineteen, Shadow recommended a five month development period to begin in July and to be completed in November. This proposal would have left two full months for users testing, training, and installation of the app. Again, they recommended this in June. And the DNC did not approve the Iowa party's plan until September. So that uh, creates some tension here. The IDP formally requested permission from the DNC on September 5th to contract with Shadow for the development of the reporting app. The DNC did not approve the request right away. (laughs) Yeah, and by the way, I mean, when I said that... Funded the Shadow app, or who are these people? They're a bunch of DNC acts. They're like right. Obama people, they're Hillary yep. people, they're people who have been associated with the National Democratic Party for years. Right. So they're people we can trust. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the DNC met with Shadow directly and also required Shadow to submit lengthy written responses to very detailed questions about Shadow's intended development and security parameters. This vetting process took approximately one month. By early October, the DNC was willing to approve the IDP's request to contract with Shadow. Uh, So all of the delays, like it took them until October to approve this, uh, were caused by the DNC's concerns with the Iowa Democratic Party's security. But again, you know, with what Evan just said, it seems like the DNC probably already knew these people they were meeting with. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like there's... Like Troy Price was like a Hillary campaign guy. Also, he was like the director of like LGBT advocacy for Obama or whatever, or something like that. Right. Strictly, strictly for formalities. Yeah. I wonder if any of those people might have any sort of uh, interest in making sure the caucus does not go one particular direction. <laughs> huh. 
The IDP had only one employee focused on technology. Eva Mitchell, its data director. Your job is uh, technology, is, is your title <laughs> with this business. To assist Mitchell with the IDP's technology needs in the lead-up to the caucus, the IDP hired a consultant as senior advisor for technology. Uh, Robin Anankachator, whose salary was paid by the DNC. So the DNC had their own paid person uh, helping with the technology. Good, yeah. Keep, keep it in-house. That's smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Incestuous is always good. Yes. <laughs> in-house, but also like in the, the bigger house, not yes. the Iowa house. Not the local house, but the... Correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the DNC regularly interjected itself into Shadow's development process and required Shadow to provide assurances as to certain security concerns or perform additional security exercises. Shadow believed these interjections were unnecessary, unhelpful, time-consuming, and the cause of further development delays. We can only speculate, but I wonder if they had a reason to muck up the process and make it take longer and cause issues. I'm suggesting they may have been sabotaging the caucuses, but, you know. Well, like I always say, the middle of democracy grinds slowly, but it grinds very fine. (laughs) If only those DNC people would have cooperated with this investigation. Yeah, I mean, then we could have the answers from them, and I wouldn't have to speculate. Mm -hmm, Exactly. (laughs) Oh, well. I wonder if there's a reason why they're not cooperating. (laughs) I guess I'll just have to fill in the gaps myself. The DNC doesn't owe you anything, sweetie. Maybe they're okay. purposefully <laughs> scapegoating themselves <laughs> so they can hmm. uh, not blame the Iowa Democratic Party. Hmm. Because the DNC is already so unpopular, it's not like it matters. Right. And the IDP can't afford to take this hit. Yeah. They're already on life support. <laughs> yeah. The app was developed for Apple's iOS first. And the first usable version of the Android app was not completed by Shadow until the day before the app's launch. (laughs) The reporting app was first launched and rolled out to end users on January 18th, 2020, just two weeks before the caucuses. Yeah, and how do they have to install the app? (laughs) Yes, we we will get to that. Side blow. Yeah, that's after this this next one. Uh, Because the reporting app was still incomplete and deep in the development phase, the IDP personnel in charge of creating the training materials and hosting the training sessions could not include any training on the use of the app. Instead, the temporary chairs who attended the training sessions were told that more information on the reporting app was coming soon. (laughs) 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 And yeah, these were training sessions like in January. (laughs) Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Expected to be like final preparations for (laughs) getting the caucus Better be pretty soon. Yeah. Okay, the app, again, finally launched on January 18th, 2020. On that date, users received information about the app for the first time via email. For their first exposure to the app, they were met with a convoluted installation and login process set out in a 34-page user manual. <laughs> and uh, just, again, for reference, uh, the document that I'm pulling these notes from is uh, 29 pages long. So the entire report on the caucuses is shorter than the user manual for the Shadow app. <laughs> Sick. Uh, Following an analysis of that 34-page user manual, we understand that the installation and login process involved, at minimum, the following steps. 1. Request app. 
User. <laughs> Send app. <laughs> Give app. <laughs> Users had to fill out an online request form providing information to IDP and Shadow, including their phone number, email address, and device type. And a booty pic with their panties on. And one without them on. <laughs> also three different pics of their boobs. <laughs> different angles. Yes. <laughs> Side up, down. Step two, onboarding. IDP and Shadow used the submitted information to onboard the user on the back end, which meant creating a profile for each user that is unique to them along with their own individual test pin. So the people behind the scenes were having to like make profiles for everyone using the app manually themselves. This wasn't like a user-driven process. Wow. Convenient. <laughs> Step three, installation email. Onboarded users would then receive an IDP-branded email with directions to install the app. And the instructions to install the app are as follows. Step 3A. If the user was on an Apple device, they were required to use Apple's App Store to install TestFlight. TestFlight is an app that software developers can use to allow users to download and install beta versions of apps for testing purposes. Uh, Shadow used TestFlight as a way to ensure that the only users who could install the app were users that had been manually onboarded by them. As a result, users had to install TestFlight and then use TestFlight to install the Shadow app on their devices. <laughs> so they had to use like a development tool, basically. You couldn't just get the app off the store. That's a really good for security. <laughs> no kidding, yeah. If the user was on an Android device, they had to manually install the application using TestFairy, a similar testing platform to TestFlight. You could have uh, made a fake. <laughs> if you were like within the Iowa caucus, you could like make a fake reporting app and then have them like download the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. And then do nefarious things with people's information. Uh, installation. So this is on Android devices. Installation usually required the user to disable the de default security settings on their Android device. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because by default, Android devices do not allow installation of apps from unknown sources, i.e. Shadow. <laughs> okay, step four. This is after they've installed the app. They receive a password email. So separately from the app installation email, onboarded users would receive an IDP-branded email from uh, Auth0, a service that controlled the two-factor login process for the app. Users had to follow a link in the email to the Auth0 platform to set up their password for the first time. Until they had done this, they could not use the app even if it was installed. So there was a two-factor authentication thing they had to go through. Mm -hmm. Step five, the first login. The user would log in to the app by following these steps. 5A, launch the app. 5B, enter their Auth0 username and password. Step 5C, set up two-factor authentication by providing their mobile phone number. Step 5D, verify their login and password with a six-digit two-factor authentication code sent to their mobile number by text message. Step 5E, enter a precinct ID. Step 5F, enter a precinct PIN or a test PIN if logging in prior to the actual caucus night. And that's all you had to do. That's all you had to do to get that. That's sounds simple enough. Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't following uh, my recording timeline, but uh, 
I I assume that only took me like five to ten minutes to read to you. <laughs> it felt like a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. And like you know, reasonably te- tech savvy people probably wouldn't have too much of a problem with that. But like, right. I'm sure the caucus. But chairs... like, have you met these people? Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, my caucus chair Zach Walls, who's like around our age, he was using the Shadow app. Mm. But oh, I, mine wasn't. It was yeah. it was an old lady named right. like. <laughs> Most of them are not. Name. Most of them are not thirty-year-old state senators. You know. <laughs> no, she was. She was a retired teacher in her sixties. Oh, lovely. And I'll I'll give you some numbers about uh, how many people are actually using the app in a little bit. The few users who successfully gained access to the app for testing purposes on January eighteenth immediately found app-breaking bugs, <laughs> which were reported back to Shadow. One of the early users noted that the onboarding email included uh, reply to metadata to deliver replies to feedback at shadowinc.io. This was notable because the IDP had intentionally kept the identity of the developer a secret, so when this user saw the domain name shadowinc.io... <laughs> I thought it was fake, like the app had been a hack or something. Yeah. yeah. He thought it was a phishing scam. <laughs> A group of temporary chairs in Polk County created a private Facebook group, which they used as a community message board to discuss their caucus preparations. One member of the group posted an informal internal poll on January 30th, asking its members about their experiences with the onboarding and installing of the app. Out of 39 respondents, only 10 said that they had successfully been able to set up the app. This was January 30th, so that's like four days before the caucus. Mm -hmm. So that's roughly 25% of the members of this private Facebook group for temporary chairs in Polk County. So these are probably like the most online and active of the caucus chairs. 25% of them were able to use the app. Temporary chairs throughout the state with complaints and concerns outnumbered those who had positive experiences with the installation (laughs) process. The most common complaints included... Emails with installation instructions were being automatically routed to spam or junk boxes. Installation and registration were, quote, confusing and, quote, a pain. Some chairs who filled out the online request form for the app never received the installation email. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Users could not find their precinct ID or PIN. Users were confused about the difference between their test PIN and their real PIN. So there were different numbers that you were supposed to use to just, like, mess around with the app versus on the actual caucus night. They also couldn't find the feature that allowed them to FaceTime with their grandson. (laughs) (laughs) How do you get to Facebook in here? Yeah. (laughs) They should have just reported the numbers through Facebook. Come on. (laughs) Why not? Yeah. More boomer-friendly. Users who emailed IDP's app support email address would frequently receive no response. Yeah, not surprising at all. I have never received a response when I have contacted the IDP about anything. Uh, The IDP was informing users that it would not grant day of access to the app for reporting. So if chairs were not onboarded and installed by February 3rd, they could not use the app. Uh, Which I guess makes sense, but it is like... It's telling. Like, you're not prepared to actually get everybody on. What's even... You might as well just... They should have just scrapped it at this point. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to just calling it in. In the last few days before the caucuses, some temporary chairs began to indicate that they had given up on trying to get the reporting. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that they would instead be calling in their caucus results by telephone, as you just suggested, Evan. Yeah. Be prepared for that. Like, obviously, that's like <laughs> going to be the thing. <laughs> Once again, we may be foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> Temporary chairs from around the state were told that it was not a problem if they could not use the app or if they chose not to use the app. It was acceptable to call in the results to the IDP's hotline the night of the caucuses. So it sounds like they must be prepared for this, <laughs> right? Wrong. <laughs> All right, we've got a, a little bit of a detour here while we talk more about the DNC meddling in the app development process before we get to the night of the caucus. In mid to late January, the DNC decided that it would require Shadow to provide it with real-time access to the raw results reporting data in the DNC's own systems on the night of the caucus. Again, mid to late January, the DNC decided that this needed to happen. Still plenty of time. Yeah. The DNC had become concerned that Shadow's app was inaccurately calculating caucus results based on first and second expression inputs. The DNC determined that it wanted to double-check all caucus math for quality control purposes before any results were released because of the extremely high-profile nature of the event. Hmm, I wonder if there's like a second reason they would want to like double-check results. <laughs> the DNC required that Shadow build a database conversion tool to convert the reporting data into a different format that the DNC's own system could interpret. Jesus Christ. This was necessary because the Shadow Reporting app and the DNC used incompatible database formats in their respective systems' backends. Shadow used Firestore, and the DNC used BigQuery. Hey, Fire, Firestorm? I think uh, Evan and I used to use it to play Second Life. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. modded viewer. You can use it to like spy on people more easily. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. This is actually called Firestore. No M on the end. Firestore. I initially read it as Firestone, like the tire store. <laughs> but Firestone. They do have their fingers in a lot of pies. Hey. So basically last minute, the DNC decided, you need to be giving us the reported data like as it comes in. Direct access to the data yeah, as it comes we need, in. We need to see this like immediately. And also, our database is completely incompatible with the database that you've been developing for months. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> Uh, the tool was not necessary for the reporting app to function or for the reporting app to work with any of the IDP's systems. It was only for the DNC to be able to see the data in real time in their own systems. <laughs> and there, of course, was already a plan in place to have the IDP staff double check all the data before it gets reported. Obviously, they're not just <laughs> releasing this shit like immediately, like regardless of any sort of complications yeah so the dnc added this quality check step which was obviously not a part of the idp's plan going into this the dnc sent its own technology personnel to des moines on january 31st the database conversion tool was buggy and there were many errors in converting the data from one format to the other but after several days of corrective work the dnc and shadow believed they had the tool in working order in the hours leading up to the start of the caucuses on february 3rd Man, you know, I'm not putting the incompetence past them, but it, it really does seem like there was some sort of effort. Like, cause Bernie was leading, I think, the Absolutely. polls at this point. At that, and they're, yeah, they're, at that register poll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Even if they just delay the reporting of results, which is effectively what they're doing here, it's like yep. you're, you're denying the whoever, momentum denying and the narrative. The victory. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And it also gives you a chance for fucking rat face dumbasses to get on TV and pretend that they won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah. Joe oh, yeah. Biden got like fifth. Yeah, he got like fourth. <laughs> oh, barely fourth. Mr. Trump. Klobuchar was edged about. Yeah. And that reminds me at the beginning, uh, they said that they interviewed uh, representatives from the Biden campaign as part of this review. <laughs> Uh, they didn't interview uh, anyone from pete did they i don't remember you saying that yes they interviewed people from the biden sanders and Buttigieg campaigns oh good okay but why the biden campaign like they barely had any presence here they didn't do Mm -hmm. anything in iowa anyway uh a majority of the precincts did not even attempt to use the app (laughs) (laughs) a majority no one used it at ours yeah, same. It was abandoned immediately. I've got the numbers, too. The IDP reported results from 1,765 total precincts. Only 624 users logged into the app on the <laughs> night of the caucuses. Wow. <laughs> and only 439 precincts results were submitted through the shadow platform. That's incredible. So that means like only like 400 reported and an additional, like, almost 200 people Just logged into up. the app and tried. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Temporary chairs and precinct chairs were encouraged to simply call the results in to the IDP telephone line if they didn't want to deal with the app. And, yeah, witnesses contrasted the IDP's tendency to characterize the app as optional against the Republicans' 2016 caucuses. Iowa Republicans presented the use of their reporting app as mandatory, and their usage rate of the Microsoft app was anecdotally reported to be between 80 and 90%. <laughs> That's authoritarianism, though, if you ask me. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I thought that we elect Democrats because they're the smart ones who know how to do Excel spreadsheets and stuff. Mm-hmm. This the is professional uh, class technocratic solution yeah tech yeah we want the technology and all that shit science we believe technology and science all that shit Mm -hmm. roughly 180 of the users who were able to log in nevertheless did not submit results with the app Uh, users reported abandoning attempts to submit their results mid-process due to problems with the user interface some reported they could not backtrack in the reporting process to correct simple input errors. <laughs> so once, yeah, once you had like put a number in, that was the number. <laughs> you couldn't fix it. Jesus. Uh, for some, the app froze and crashed completely while trying to input results. And one user reported the app returned an error that refused to allow him to submit results because a particular candidate was not viable at his precinct. Hmm. I wonder which candidate uh. that was. <laughs> <laughs> they they don't say, but I really wish they had like given us the actual answer from that interview with that user. <laughs> That's yeah, I mean. <laughs> oh well. It's for think, sure Pete. I right? think maybe <laughs> they should have tested the app more before they rolled it out. <laughs> okay, and then Finally, an issue arose with the DNC's Firestore to BigQuery conversion tool that caused the DNC to believe there was a discrepancy in the reporting app's recorded data or its delegate calculations. This issue was the source of the widely reported irregularities in the caucus data. In other words, the irregularities were not actually within the reporting app data itself or in the caucus results. Rather, the irregularities came from the DNC's late-created conversion tool. 
Jesus. So they threw a wrench into the thing at the last minute, and that's what caused the entire confusion in the media was the DNC's last-minute decision that, oh, we got to see the data in real time. We don't trust you to not fuck this up. So it's so hard we're gonna to interpret it this as anything but an intentional muddying of the waters. Yeah. Like they created a situation in which the reporting to the public would be delayed. And yeah, like it's just doesn't make any sense because they're already so, I mean, hypothetically you'd think that, I mean, and, and obviously like we said, the actual personal connections, like the I, IDP and the DNC are, should be in cahoots. Right. Like how would it, matter if the dnc has direct access to the numbers if they have people on the ground in iowa right who can yeah. do the same fucking thing right it's ridiculous <laughs> okay and then this next section gets into the boiler room this is where shit really hits the fan it's where the magic the happens yes so every, everything before now was kind of uh you know laying the groundwork for an absolute mess <laughs> and this is where the mess uh, the consequences arise of all of the rush development, all of the last-minute decision-making, all of the, you know, just the lack of preparation. The boiler room was set up to handle inquiries and results reporting from around the state. Again, it's to handle inquiries and the reporting of results. Volunteers were to field the incoming phone calls regarding questions, problems, and the reporting of results where the precinct chair did not use the app. One, I would like to note that these are volunteers, not paid staff, fielding these phone calls. And two, that they're uh, expected to deal with people just calling in with questions as well as reporting results. One of the problems that the IDP faced in the boiler room was that IDP volunteers were unable to log into a web portal provided by Shadow to input caucus results for caucus chairs who did not use the app. Jesus. So even through the phone lines... You people were having shadow. to report through shadow-developed web apps. What could go wrong? <laughs> the IDP did not train or prepare for the use of this shadow web tool. Shadow had provided this tool to the IDP approximately three weeks prior to the caucuses. So this came before the app, even. Shadow also created a lengthy user manual for the tool at that time with the expectation that the IDP would provide copies of the manual to the boiler room volunteers and train the volunteers on how to use the tool. While the IDP conducted a training for boiler room volunteers the afternoon before the caucuses, it did not include the web tool as part of that training. (laughs) Yes, everything's going to work perfectly. We are not going to need it. We won't need it. The app. We've got the app. Yeah. The volunteers were seeing the tool for the first time when they arrived at the boiler room on caucus night. Jesus. Some volunteers suggested that they had not even been informed that this would be part of their duties in the boiler room. (laughs) (laughs) Most volunteers were ultimately not able to access the tool at all. Logging into the tool required each user to have their own user profile, just like they did with the app. But the IDP had failed to onboard the Boiler Room volunteers, so none of them had user profiles to be able to log in. The IDP instructed the volunteers not to bring their personal cell phones into the Boiler Room for uh, security purposes. Therefore, 
Even if Shadow had onboarded the Boiler Room volunteers on the day of the caucuses, those users could not use the mandatory two-factor authentication system. Oopsie. <laughs> wow. As a security measure, the Chromebooks that the volunteers were using automatically logged out of the tool periodically, requiring the user to log in again <laughs> to confirm their identity. <laughs> this is so much worse than I thought. I know. Like I said, I started <laughs> I reading it. I was like, this is going to be so boring. And then like every step of the way. <laughs> I didn't think it was possible for like it to be this bad. <laughs> like I'd, Obviously, yeah. it was very... <laughs> wasn't playing out very well but this is just like <laughs> it's 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 intentional fucking self-sabotage yeah. every single step of the way yeah when shadows on-site support staff realized that the volunteers had not been onboarded and did not have their phones for two-factor authentication they began to manually log in each chromebook using google authenticator instead of text messages to satisfy the two-factor authentication requirement but when the tool automatically logged out the volunteers had no way to log back in <laughs> oh nice. man so they faked the two-factor two-factor authentication thus like completely just because they had inside access to it they could do that <laughs> right. so yeah. just defeating the purpose of it <laughs> As the night went on, the volunteers gave up on trying to use the reporting tool. Since the volunteers were largely unable to access and use the reporting tool, they were forced to record results using pen and paper. The old-fashioned way. The volunteers still were able to confirm the identity of any caller trying to report results by requiring the precinct captains to provide their individual PIN or security code. Uh, Melissa Watson, again, she was the CFO of the uh, Iowa Democratic Party at the time, Maybe still is. I didn't check. Uh, but she would collect the pen and paper results from volunteers, walk them into the adjacent strategy room, and leave them there in a drop box for incoming results. However, there was confusion about who received the paper reports or how those reports would then be entered into the results database and reported. <laughs> <laughs> so they just put it in a box and like, who knows where it's that just, box goes? Yeah, it's just, just like, a box. well, we had to write it on paper. Uh, put it what do we here. do with it? Put it in this box. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there were 50 total phone lines set up in the boiler room and 40 of those lines were staffed by volunteers taking incoming calls. So, the remaining 10 were like phone lines used for party officials and other shit. So they only had 40 lines open. That does not sound like enough. Right. Like if you wanted to be prepared to take an these entire calls. state. <laughs> uh, what was it like almost 1800 precincts? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All conducting these meetings at about the same time. All and probably all concluding around the same time. trying to deal with the app. Yeah. So they'll be all calling about that. And not too. just oh reporting, but inquiries. Like I remember my precinct That's captain right. or precinct uh, chair had to make a call about some sort of what to do situation. Yes. Same phone number. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I'll actually, I'll get into that right now. There were three phone numbers that the IDP planned to have ring through into the boiler room. One, the main IDP office telephone number. Two, the caucus hotline that was posted on the Iowa Democratic Party website. And three, the number provided two precinct chairs for questions, problems, and results reporting. Okay, they got three different phone numbers. Uh, I think two of which are available to the public. (laughs) And one which is supposed to be only for the precinct chairs to help them conduct the caucus and report results. Okay, so you would think, like, these have to be separated somehow. Yeah, go to different places. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise just whoever could call. (laughs) 
The calls that came into the boiler room were not differentiated, grouped, or separated in any way to reflect which of the three phone numbers the caller had dialed. <laughs> so anyone could have just called. Yeah, calls yeah. coming to yep. any of those three numbers. Yeah, there all are people went, pranking them and shit. All went into the same phone No system. way, no yeah, way. Yeah, like 4chan people found it or some shit. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I will mention that shortly. <laughs> yeah, people also posted pictures of their caucus information, like right. the chairs and stuff. Yeah. So like the numbers got out, even the pi- private number. Mm-hmm. As uh, precinct chairs began calling in the results, the phone system became overloaded with a high volume of calls. Who could have anticipated that? As the backup system, the boiler room's phone bank should have been staffed to handle 100% of the capacity of the primary system in the event the reporting app failed completely. As of the Friday before the caucuses, the IDP knew there were only approximately 400 temporary precinct chairs this who had successfully downloaded and This is a real fucking Titanic access- situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the IDP should have taken aggressive steps to scale up its telephone backup reporting system at oh. that time. Oh, really? They should have. <laughs> Ultimately, there were a total of 5,816 incoming calls to the boiler room on February 3rd. And 40 lines. Jesus. Divided by 40 people, right? <laughs> right, that's right, yep. Of those, 2,097 calls were neither answered nor picked up by the system before the caller hung up. <laughs> yeah, that's 145 calls per person, which <laughs> I used to work in a call center, and the absolute most... I would do like a hundred calls in a day and that would be like a super that's a hard day. And yeah. super stellar day where like yeah. the, my boss would like congratulate me. And that's so, like an eight hour shift? That's an eight hour shift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. And 2,593 incoming calls were abandoned, i.e. the caller gave up on getting through and hung up the phone while they were on hold. So again, the previous number was like the system didn't even put them on hold. It just like they didn't get through at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. This suggests... That 1,126 calls were actually patched through to the boiler room and answered by staff or a volunteer. I did the quick math on that. That is 19% of the calls. (laughs) 19% of the phone calls to the boiler room were answered by a volunteer. Wow. There were three numbers coming into the boiler room that night, and two of them were published to the general public. And any of those three numbers was exactly the same as dialing any of the others. They were all directed (laughs) to exactly the same place. The boiler room was unable to prioritize precinct chairs calling in results. The IDP started to direct half of the volunteers to start making outgoing calls to the precinct chairs asking for uh, results. The results uh, that were recorded on paper were not being updated and entered into the shadow app and database. So the boiler room did not know exactly which precinct chairs had not yet reported results. Oh my God. (laughs) So they were instructed to start making outgoing calls, but they didn't know who needed to be called. God damn. (laughs) It just keeps getting better. Yeah, just a big, long list of 1,800 phone numbers. <laughs> you just get started at random. <laughs> uh, 
And then, of course, this also resulted in a significant decrease in the number of lines able to take incoming calls. So they cut that in half in order to start making the outgoing calls. Oh, good. Okay. There were reports of people calling into the boiler room just to disrupt the process. (laughs) Specifically, there were reports of posts through message boards and social media channels directing users to call in with prank calls to intentionally interfere with the IDP's ability to receive results over the phone. Some media outlets specifically reported on a 4chan thread encouraging other users to clog the lines. Oh my god. You can always count on those boys. Yep. (laughs) That thread saw relatively low levels of engagement and it is unlikely to have produced a significant volume of disruptive calls. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. (laughs) Also, the 4chan thread simply identified the caucus hotline phone number that was already publicly available on the IDP's website. So they were only amplifying the mistake that had already been made. <laughs> oh, yes. People weren't replying to the post, so therefore uh, nobody was, uh, you know. Yeah. This definitely isn't like primarily made up of like lurkers and shit that use that website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the same people were tweeting in addition to yeah. being on Yeah, 4chan. not to yeah. mention their discords and like every private area where these people yeah, that's, congregate. that's a good point. The 4chan board is like public-facing. It's the tip of but, the iceberg. Mm-hmm. In 2016... The IDP's backup plan to the Microsoft reporting app had two components, a hotline for calls regarding various questions and problems, and an interactive voice response call line that used an automated calling system for reporting of results. Part of the point of the interactive voice response line was to take humans and human error out of the call oh, and reporting process. Everyone loves interactive <laughs> voice response. Yeah. That's like the number one thing that people love when they pick up a phone. Yeah. Uh, I'd say it takes out it's maybe... It's very oh. accurate. Very yeah. accurate. Known I, for uh, accuracy. I have problems with that every month when I have to order my medication because they try to, to do that and I just like talk my way through menus and every single yeah. time I end up having to be transferred to a human operator yeah. because it right. can't understand me saying the word yes. I usually just <laughs> mash zero. Yeah, so you, you get like on those and you're like, representative, yes. representative, I'm sorry. representative. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> could you repeat that? Yes. Let me find someone to help you. Fucking it know the word yes no it doesn't <laughs> yeah. like i even told them, i so said them before when i got transferred i'm like uh hi i'm, I'm calling for my medication They're like okay can i have your info i'm like yeah it's just i, I it, it couldn't understand me saying yes when i was <laughs> trying to and it called me asking me a yes or yeah. no question <laughs> the one word one of two words that it yes. most needs to correctly identify <laughs> what the fuck I'm, i was like do i have like an accent or something i don't understand <laughs> Yeah, I would say that uh, that procedure only takes out half of the potential human error, you know, because there's still one human. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also introduces introduces and, and a whole introduces computer error. Yeah. Yeah, because voice recognition is not that perfect. Yeah, o- over <laughs> a phone line. Yeah. 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 It's also very like low quality audio. Anyway, despite our concerns, uh, reports indicate that this system worked well. One additional advantage of having an automated or professional phone service act as the backup reporting system would have been the ability to scale the system up as necessary. (laughs) The IDP had looked into a paid hotline system at an earlier stage in its caucus preparations, but it never identified a vendor for such a system. The IDP also looked at having more phone lines, but it reported that there was a significant price break in getting additional lines. (laughs) It's too expensive. 
Ultimately, the IDP reported that the number of lines and volunteers it chose was based on past experience. Again, the past experience, as in the last caucus, was that you had a backup system that was automated and separated into two different lines. So no, it was not based on past <laughs> yeah, experience. Yeah, that, that completely goes against, like, didn't they, they're like, oh, if the app doesn't work, then you can, mm-hmm. like, didn't they plan for having less people because they thought there was going to be a reporting app that worked? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard to tell where the incompetence <laughs> ends and begins, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just completely baked in. There's no beginning or ending. It's yeah. a vital ingredient in the in the cake. Mm-hmm. And also that they capped the phone lines at 50 because it would have cost more money to have more than that. But also, it's all completely staffed by volunteers who you're not paying at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, seems like you're cutting costs elsewhere. So, are you really like this unable to pay for things to conduct this caucus? <laughs> you're able uh, to make money no. hand over fist, but mm-hmm. y- yeah, you'd think they'd be able to fund it with all of the losing campaigns that they've ran over the years. <laughs> <laughs> they're running fucking, uh, you know, Amy mcgrath against mitch mcconnell in a like complete or fucking fred hubble yeah fred just hubble. candidacies that they know that they're gonna lose but that they can fundraise off of easily fred could have paid for the whole thing himself yeah, yeah. Fred he could have. fred hubble <laughs> okay and then uh the last section of the report that i'll get into here is reporting results so this is after everything fucking fell apart <laughs> and this is getting into reporting the results uh to the public and to the media so again the coding error in the dnc's database conversion tool caused the dnc to interject itself into the idp's intended reporting process and prevent the idp from reporting out its results on caucus night so the idp was ready to give us the numbers but the dnc said no nope. oh, no 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 we've got an error here <laughs> discrepancies <laughs> Without the DNC's intervention in that process, the IDP may have reported the results in real time as it intended, even accounting for the low usage rate of the reporting app. Furthermore, the DNC's decision to stop the IDP from announcing results had a ripple effect, causing further compounded delays throughout caucus night and the subsequent days. Because the DNC called the accuracy of the results into question, Mm. the IDP was forced to undertake substantial steps to confirm all reports' results by collecting and cross-checking all of the physical caucus math worksheets uh, over the course of several days. Because there's going to be discrepancies there. Like, yeah, of course. No matter what, there's yeah. going to be discrepancies there. You can't, there's no way to avoid it. It's like mm-hmm. baked in, like baked into the process. So it's like, yeah, they can say that and it's true. And it's like, that's what everyone is going to hear. And, and they're going to be like, yep, Iowa, they fucked the numbers. Again, like it's Which, not even new for Iowa. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's not, I mean, they, they did fuck the numbers, but it's yeah. like, they're just completely demolishing any faith whatsoever in their yeah. fucking results. So they're cross-checking all of the uh, reported results with the actual caucus math worksheets, which I'm sure some of those disappeared. Yeah, they had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and the the thing with the caucus too is that if you make a math error on the sheet and everyone signed it, doesn't matter. That's yeah. written in. That's in stone. They get into that as well. Yeah. Uh, so the exercise of cross checking with all those worksheets uh, simply revealed that the results that were being reported on caucus night were generally accurate. Yeah. If the IDP had announced the results on caucus night, the campaigns still could have exercised their right to request recounts or recanvassing as necessary. 
because the shadow app was not used in the majority of precincts, most precinct chairs were left to perform the caucus math calculations themselves. Because many precinct chairs did the calculations manually, some of them introduced simple human error into the process. Uh, And some precincts' final certified results on the paper caucus math worksheets were incorrectly calculated. Yep, like Jalen was talking about on our show with Mm -hmm. the fucking people not knowing how many, how to round to get at, (laughs) like if there's an odd number of, what do do you call them? Right, yeah. I mean, very briefly, like they use proper rounding rules for the most part, like yeah. if it's 0.5 or above, you round up. Otherwise, you round yeah. down. But if, then if there's an extra, yeah, right. then if it goes to the person who's closest to 0.5. Mm-hmm. Which is not how our math works generally. Yeah. So it's it's a confusing step. It was confusing everyone because there's people yeah. who were like, look, I, I saw this sheet and they added an extra delegate and this, this number actually rounds down to zero. But it's yeah. like, no, in this case, it rounds up because there's no one else who deserves it more. Like it's... Right. It's fucking stupid. It's just rounding errors. Right. You, you could be like at uh, 0.35 of a delegate at the end of the process mm-hmm. and come away and clean with the one. last one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because the other candidates were at like, what, 0.1 or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, when outside observers recalculated some precincts results from the now public raw expression counts, wasn't that a fun couple days? <laughs> yeah. <Jesus. laughs> Looking at that, just refreshing that page over and over again. <laughs> And the thing is, like, and the, I'm sure this also contributed to the, like, calls coming in, because, like, people are like, we all agreed to the numbers. Like, every campaign agreed to the numbers at this precinct location. So, like, why yeah. are they not reported yet? Like, what's going right. on? Right, yeah. Yeah, so when outside observers uh, were finding the math errors, it became clear that the mathematical errors may have affected the outcome of several precincts' final reported results. And the IDP explained that if there is a difference between the caucus math worksheet and the publicly reported number, the IDP will correct the public report. Right. (laughs) (laughs) This course was based on the IDP's legal determination that the caucus math worksheets were the final and official results of each caucus under Iowa law and could not be recalculated or revised after the fact. Yep, it's their version of contract law. You sign, you sign the contract. You mm-hmm. can't, you can't take it back, even though it's fundamentally wrong. Yeah, never mind that most of the people signing these documents are like random people who showed up, and like you don't even have their contact information. You can't find them. <laughs> Listen, as crazy. the Bernie precinct captain, I signed that sheet, and it was accurate. Me too, I was... because I won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, yes. we won also. <laughs> What a fucking mess. <laughs> My God. <laughs> yeah. We're almost to the end of this. Um, they say here, therefore, the IDP could only correct an error if the error was a simple inconsistency between the final public reporting for a precinct and that precinct's certified caucus math worksheet. So they couldn't correct simple math errors as long as it was on the sheet and signed. I'm sure a lot of those uh, ended up in their hands without signatures as well, by the way. Yeah. I bet. The IDP determined it could not correct a mathematical error and change the certified results of the of a caucus as part of this process. The IDP's official position was that Iowa law actually prevented the party from correcting any mathematical errors made by precinct chairs as part of this corrections process. Which, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> if you say so. Uh, and then I... The next part was pretty boring, so I wrote my own summary of it. So this is about the recanvassing and recount process. 
uh, the Sanders and Buttigieg campaigns requested reviews of a few precincts. A bunch of the Buttigieg requests were denied because they were without merit or they were asking for changes that would violate the delegate selection process. Uh, For example, subtracting a viable candidate's only delegate, which we also have covered. In other words, the Buttigieg campaign was trying to cheat. (laughs) Uh, They also asked for a re-canvas of every single satellite caucus. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Which, if you remember, Bernie did extremely well at those because Mm -hmm. it was mostly like factory workers. Yeah, the reason they had satellite caucuses was because it was like people who worked like night shift (laughs) or, you know. Yeah. I think there were like somewhere around 25 of the satellite caucuses total. The Pete campaign tried to get them to re-canvas all of them. And yeah. uh, the IDP only actually re-canvassed two of those satellite caucuses. And those were the two that the Sanders campaign had also requested. Uh, ultimately, there were only a few like tiny changes uh, after the recounts and re-canvases. And they did not affect the allocation of national delegates. So didn't really matter overall. Our winner, Pete Buttigieg. Yay! Winner of the state delegate equivalents. Yeah, the state (laughs) delegate equivalents, even though less people actually showed up to support him. The one metric that he won by, which is actually the the most important. The one metric. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What a perfect system. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) It's beautiful. Okay, and we'll close with... According to the raw first expression counts, approximately 176,000 Iowans participated in the 2020 Iowa caucuses. This was a higher turnout than the 2016 Iowa caucuses in which approximately 171,500 Iowans participated, and it fell well short of the record turnout for the 2008 Iowa caucuses in which approximately 239,000 Iowans participated. Yeah, they loved Obama. So all of these major shortcomings and huge mistakes and fuck-ups, and it was significantly fewer people than right. 2008 which i don't remember being much of an issue like it no. was pretty clear obama won like okay move on yeah and it was close it was still close because there was right, it was three yeah. three candidates who were like who in did range, pretty well the striking range of winning mm-hmm. yeah so again i mean that i think there's two factors there one the decimation of the democratic party in the past 12 years <laughs> especially in iowa making them less uh they have fewer resources available to them uh yeah they're just less able to handle anything because fewer people support them because it's not really worth anyone's time anymore (laughs) and then the second one i think is what we've been suggesting all along is that there was some intentional sabotage going on yeah i was just gonna say just the incestuousness of it where it's like these people fail upwards into these positions and it's never they never clean house after a loss. You right. Know, it's just the same fucking stew of mostly incompetent people, obviously, <laughs> that just hang around. Yeah, and, and that's true. That's true both for like party officials as well as uh, candidates. Like Rita Hart was on the ticket for the governor's race in 2018, which failed, and uh, she just got the fucking. <laughs> nomination for this congressional seat without any competition really like i think one guy ran was gonna run in the primary for like a couple weeks but he didn't have any money and then um a a certain business owner here in iowa city was hinting that she might run but then never got off the ground Hmm. she failed before she's nothing (laughs) like a nothing candidate and 
eh, why not? Just let her have it. And then failed. Like what should have been a safe seat failed because we let yeah. losers have whatever they want here in the yeah. Iowa Democratic Party. And they got rid of Troy Price, and I'm sure they've made some <laughs> changes, but I would not be surprised to see him float back up to the top of the toilet bowl. Yeah, I remember there being something about him recently where he was like, back in some he kind won't of be, important yeah, position. Yeah, he won't be, yeah, not the same role or, you know. No, he's he not going to be, be the chair Iowa. Again. Yeah, he no. might not be involved in Iowa even, but like, he'll be back. He'll be fucking Pete Buttigieg's like, advisor on LGBT mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, I think he was, uh, I think he might be in the private sector now or something. But. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Well, he, he, he can afford going to Puerto Rico in the middle of the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. Though I guess the tickets are probably pretty cheap. <laughs> so they are, yeah. And it's not international travel, so yeah, yeah, less of those restrictions. All right, well, I mean, that was a, a fun return to the namesake of Rock Hard Caucus, just finally putting the nail in the coffin of the 2020 Iowa caucuses, uh, yep. really investigating. It's also our up. final episode. What ever. did they fuck up? Yeah, this is the <laughs> end of the journey, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Natalie's already, already signed off. <laughs> she left early. She's she's bailing. She's had enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to get a final statement from her and add the robot voice. <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I'll see if she wants to <laughs> add closing remarks here. But yeah, we finally have all the answers. We know what went wrong with the caucus, so we'll definitely be prepared next time. <laughs> yes, because there will definitely be another one. <laughs> We'll see. I mean, that's that's that'll be interesting to find out. Mm. You know, that'll make a big impact on the value of our show. You know, mm-hmm. if we have another one, then that's great because it adds to our brand cachet. <laughs> Correct. Otherwise, yeah, I think they should get rid of it. I agree. We've all said Ranked that. Choice but, primary, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah. Seems pretty pretty clear cut, but mm-hmm. it's a bad system, and they're not very good at doing it. So no probably go for something easier i think would be the right move yep they've already completely decimated all the trust in it anyway it's <laughs> like i said so well folks i think i read pretty much every interesting bit of that report but i will uh add a link to the report it's available to the public i'll include that in the description here on the episode but i don't think we have anything else to say we've been recording for a long time now <laughs> yes yep i'm one hungry of our, one of our longer sessions starving gotta piss again man we're gonna get out of here um and we'll say goodbye on behalf of natalie and maybe i'll insert a robot voice here for her as well thank you for listening and goodbye from me robo natalie but thank you for taking this journey with us again and uh this probably won't be the last episode so we'll see you next time presuming oh yeah i'm sure we'll uh (laughs) talk about the caucuses again at some point (laughs) we can't get enough yeah and I'm sure, like, yeah, we said probably, like, half the same things we said over many months ago. But I'm sure that we'll say them again in the near future. So Yeah, that's what a podcast is. Yeah. If you came for the name, then, yeah, we're going to keep delivering. <laughs> okay. And if you want something a little more fun and less about reading a report written by some lawyers about a political <laughs> party's internal <laughs> operations, uh, we did just record a Christmas episode that I think is... Uh, probably going to be pretty funny. That that'll really be on. Our, that'll be on our Patreon. You can get on there for as little as one dollar a month. Yeah. Yep. Money. And you'll get that, and you'll get. Uh, I think I've released like thirty something episodes on there. Yeah. Lots of stuff that you can yeah, get for a dollar. Yeah, just odds and ends, bits and pieces. Yeah, and a whole bunch of whole bunch of Joseph Dobrian. Quite a bit. Yes. He's a big chunk of it. <laughs> okay. See you later. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.
Happy holidays. Abolish the caucus. Abolish the Senate. Abolish the Supreme Court. Abolish the presidency. Abolish the military. Abolish the police. Abolish the United States of America. Abolish Disney. Abolish Amazon. Abolish Mark Rowe. Abolish Pepsi. Abolish government.